What's up guys, Rick here with a DFS preview for this week's Genesis Invitational, one of my favorite weeks of the year. I was at this event last year on Thursday. It's it's phenomenal. Uh, but before we jump into this week, last week, my goodness, uh, a community win. I think I saw more Daniel Berger tickets. I think I saw more winning lineups than I've ever have before. I tried to retweet as many as I could or respond to them or respond reply to the emails, uh, but congratulations to everyone. I do want to point out just a couple in particular because, uh, again, I, there, there was too many to call them all out, but uh, a couple that I thought were, were noteworthy. So Josh, who is, is Laser Show, he has been, um, you know, I see him tweet at me all the time. He's a, he's a supporter. He has been for a long time. Turned his $285 into $1,723. Congratulations to you, Josh. Um, I always like stories like this where, where Craig says uh, he turned his $7 into $750. I think it was a weekend slate that he won. First time using the tools at rickrungood.com, which is always like music to my ears, right? You know, to have, there are certainly no guarantees in life. There are certainly no guarantees on anything out there, but I, I love being able to offer the data, offer the tools, have you make the decisions and you come to a conclusion very, or a success very early in your process. It's, it's always awesome to see. And then DFS Reds uh, turned his $371 into 11473 including a win in the $100 single entry, which is one of my favorite tournaments. It is uh, part of kind of like good contest selection to be able to max enter something like that a single entry with a with a nice prize pool so congratulations to everybody seriously you know all Sunday night the tweets were rolling in they were rolling in Monday morning I mean it just it was never ending so congratulations Daniel Berger straight vibing all of us to wins uh seemingly so absolutely stoked about it um I have a couple of other winners so I drew uh names for uh, subscriptions to rickrungood.com so if you want to be a part of this community uh that's doing so well. Uh, you can do that. I have winners from last week. So Peter Runyon's, I believe is how he pronounces it. And Jay Butta, Jay Butta's with a Z. Um, I've reached out to both of you. I'll get you set up for your month subscription to rickrungood.com. And if you want to win a month subscription to rickrungood.com, there are two ways to do it. If you are here on YouTube, like this video, make sure you are subscribed to the Rick Run Good YouTube channel and leave a comment with who's going to win this week. Absolutely stacked field. Could be anybody who is going to win this golf tournament. That's one way. If you'd like another way to do it, leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast version of this show. It is called 300 Yards to Unknown. It is linked in the description. Leave a five-star rating and review. Say something nice about the show. Leave me your Twitter handle so that I can get in touch with you. Okay. We're almost done. We're almost to the golf now. Um, there are two live chats this week. So there's going to be a ton of content this week as there is every week. You're going to have fades and sleepers and a betting preview. And on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, there is the Genesis Invitational live chat. Join us for that. The, the numbers has, have, have been great. It's much appreciated on the support. We go through as many questions as we can, talk about ownership, all that good stuff. And then 8.15 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday is the Jock Market Power Hour with Joe Idoni and myself. And, and the Jock Market is insane. You know, Daniel Berger, I think he was $8 on, on Wednesday night in the Jock Market. He closed at $25 a share. It is stock market DFS. It's phenomenal stuff. There's lots of money to be made, even if you don't hit the winner or have shares of the winning golfer. But uh, a big week ahead, one of the best weeks on the PGA Tour schedule, and we are just locked and loaded in 
a really great portion of golf that's coming up here. So many big events. So uh, let's get into this. The DFS preview for this week's Genesis Invitational. All right, everything you see will be on uh, rickrungood.com. That's my site. Uh, So the course, Riviera Country Club, not only is this an invitational, meaning we are getting a field of 120 golfers, so it is a smaller field. You are getting an absolutely stacked field. Every big-name player is here. And Riviera Country Club is up to the test. This was the 10th most difficult course on the PGA Tour last season. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not going to be like winged foot right? It's not going to be crazy difficult. It is just in the, what, top 18%, 15% of courses on the PGA Tour. Uh, pars will be a good score at times. Um, and being able to get up and down, be exact with your shots, I mean, it's not it's not a rollover. Um, Adam Scott, I think, was like one under on Sunday and one last week, that or one last year. That rarely happens on the PGA Tour, so it should tell you what kind of scores you're going to see this week, and we've seen historically. It's a par 71. It opens up with one of the easiest holes in all of golf. In fact, number one, the par 5, is the fifth easiest hole in all. On, on the entire PGA Tour last season. Now, there's a very difficult hole on the back. I think it's 15. That was one of the top 25 most difficult holes. And then there's number 10, which is this really short par four that gives everybody fits. And there's really no great way to play it. You can try you can try to drive it into uh, the fairway bunker, or excuse me, the green side, the green side bunker. No guarantee you'll get out of that. Uh, You can play it way to the left out of the rough and try to come in from the long angle. Like, it's a beautiful hole. I absolutely love it. It's phenomenal. Um, Poana greens again. So we are still on our our Poana kick, so you can go through the grass specialist. But what I've done here for the course uh, correlated model, I've actually changed the way this looks on rickrungood.com. I've brought in a lot of the stats, and I'm giving you uh, the opportunity to filter by the last number of rounds that you want. So if you only want to see the last 24 rounds, only the last 50, last 80, last whatever, um, that's going to be available to you. So this is the first rollout of this site wide. So you're going to start seeing this in other tools and, and some of them are built in, uh, you know, last eight, last 16, last 32, last 64, but giving you the ability to kind of make that adjustment, uh, it's coming site wide. It's making its first beta appearance here on the key stats. And historically, the two short game stats have been the most important here at Riviera. Now, they're not overly important. They rank 12th and 15th out of other courses on the PGA Tour, so it's not like we're seeing strokes gained around the green be number two. Uh, but it is noteworthy that they are the most important stats. Um, and I think that goes back to this being a bit more difficult than the average course. The ability to get up and down to make par will also come in handy around here, similar to like it did at Torrey Pines, where we saw kind of a similar key stat model. Um, you know, these are not, these are not reflective uh, metrics, right? These are, these are actually building out profiles of golfers who have similar, similar skill sets, how they, have succeeded or not at Riviera over the past dozen years. And uh, this is what the profile says. Um, so there's very little, actually there's no opinion uh, from me in this. So it's strokes gain around the green, putting, driving distance, and then strokes gain total. Those are your above average stats for the week. It is interesting to see the strokes gained off the tee while still important uh, every single week is 34th out of 50 here, meaning there's only 16 courses that strokes gained off the tee is less important at than Riviera. So if you go down here and you start looking at short game numbers and you say, okay, I want to sort by uh, the best players around the green and I want to see what they've done in their last 
I don't know, let's call it 25 rounds. Um, we can do that now. So Patrick Cantlay has been the best around the green player in his last 25 rounds. KH Lee and Siwoo Kim are second and third. Adam Hadwin is fourth. Brendan Todd is fifth. If you want to look at putters, maybe we want to look at putters for a longer sample size. And we want to say 50 rounds. You can do that now as well. So Peter Malnati gaining nearly a shot per round on the greens over his last 50 rounds. Matthew Fitzpatrick is up there. JT Poston as well. You're obviously going to have some small sample sample guys. Tyler Strafacci, he is your, um, I think he won the amateur, right? Or he was either, either won or finished second. I think he won it. Um, we only have two measured rounds for him, so take that with a grain of salt. But this is now a really useful tool. You know, you can look at uh, strokes gain total for, let's say, the last 16 rounds for every single golfer in the field. Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Dustin Johnson round out the top five there. So a uh, really handy tool. This will continue to uh, be unrolled and unveiled across all tools, on the site, but this is kind of my first crack at it, my first uh, foray into it on this tool, and then I'll, I'll, I'll roll it out. The cheat sheet, and oh my God, is this field absolutely stacked. Uh, Dustin Johnson leads five golfers over $10,000. He's 11,003. Justin Thomas, 10,007. Roy McElroy at 10,5. John Rahm at 10,4. And Bryson DeChambeau at $10,100. A couple of things that are, I believe, to be noteworthy here. You know, I'm. Um, one of my New Year's resolutions was really to play Dustin Johnson more. Um, you know, it's it's always kind of interesting trying to jam him in. He's always, almost always the most expensive golfer on the slate. Uh, he has been phenomenal. I, I mean, by any metric, he is the number one player in the world. It's not particularly close. He has had a ton of success at Riviera. He won here in 2017. He's piled up a bunch of, of top tens as well. And if you look at his price compared to the outright market, so he is five and a half to one at most places in terms of the outright market. Uh, Justin Thomas checking in. Let me just confirm this. I want to say he was like 10 to one. Let me confirm this real quick. Uh, excuse me, I have this mixed up. So it is DJ at five and a half to one, Rom at 12, Rory at 13, JT at 14, Xander at 16. So a couple of things to note about that. Um, what odds makers are saying is Dustin Johnson has, what is that? Twice the twice the likelihood of John Rahm is winning this golf tournament. I don't know if that's true or not, but that is not necessarily being reflected in the DraftKings pricing. So we have a lot of things to deal with here. First of all, I I don't think it's possible to bet Dustin Johnson at five and a half to one. That is a incredibly short number. He has to win this super deep field. How often? A lot. Um, it's probably not going to happen that often, but he is going to win it more than everybody else. But that's not necessarily being reflected in his DraftKings price, where he's only $600 more expensive than Justin Thomas. And he's 11003 which isn't that what Patrick Cantlay was last week and after, and then DJ withdraws, right? So now we're getting like two straight weeks where it's a pretty reasonable price on the guy who is the most expensive player on the slate. The other things to note, John Rahm completely being disrespected here by the DraftKings pricing. So if you just look straight at this, you know, he's 12 to 1. He is only $10,400 on DraftKings. So uh, that doesn't make any sense. He should be basically in the $10,800 spot or the $10,900 spot. So already there is built-in value on John Rahm. And then to me, all of this is crazy because Bryson is 17 to 1. I mean, these guys are prolific winners. Bryson's 10100 So 
the way that I see this shaping up is almost, you know, we are splitting so many hairs on on these golfers at the top. They're all great. There's no doubt about that. I think that there is going to be a lot of uh, reason to 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 jam Dustin Johnson into your lineups. And then I think you're getting built-in value on the John Rahm and the Bryson DeChambeau numbers, which then leaves the JT and Rory to be kind of your pivots, right? Those are going to be your pivots. We'll check that out more on Wednesday at the live chat to kind of see what the ownership projections are are, are coming in at. But uh, that's the way that I think this is going to play out, um, which is really interesting. And, and it kind of makes a lot of the decisions for you. But uh, Bryson, to me, at $10,100 is, is nearly criminal. You know, he's gotten better each and every year at Riviera. Driving distance was one of the more important stats. I think it was third on the key stat model. Uh, his short game is better than people want to give him credit for. He's a great putter. So uh, I, I, I'm really surprised to see him at 10100 And I hope his number is not, I hope his ownership is not too inflated when we finally get there on, on Thursday morning. The 9K range is phenomenal, as as you can probably imagine, right? I mean, Xander Shoffley, Brooks Kepka, Patrick Cantlay. Um, Xander's done everything but win. I think he's now on a stretch. I, let, let's just pull up. Let's just pull up Xander on the Holy Grail here. We'll go strokes gained by tournament. We will pull up Mr. Xander Shoffley, and he has just been on another planet. And uh, it's all, it's in all the best stats, right? I mean, it's the ball striking categories. His, his driver has been phenomenal. His putter is lights out. The only thing that gets him into trouble at times is the around the green game. And even that is like, yeah, okay. He's going to lose a stroke here. He's going to lose a stroke there over the course of four days. It's not really a problem. And, and it's, and it's paying off in results. Now what 15 straight events where he's finished inside the top 25. He doesn't have a win. He's got back-to-back runner-up finishes. He's got three runner-up finishes in his last six starts. I mean, it's just like, it's crazy. However you want to slice this, Xander has been has been so good. Uh, it's just a matter of, of, of if he's going to be able to close one of these tournaments out. You know, Kepka coming off the victory, I think he'll, he'll be back uh, a, a bit more popular. Patrick Cantlay is a problem, people. Patrick Cantlay is a big-time problem. You know, he goes out, shoots a course record on Thursday at Pebble Beach. He shoots a 62. The rest of the week, he doesn't even really have his good stuff. Right, even I mean, he's he's playing from out of position. Even when he's playing from out of position, finds a way to make par, finds a way to get the ball in the hole. It, that's a problem for everybody. I mean, he finishes third in a week where he, for over the final three rounds, wasn't really all that good, at least by his own standards. Back to back top three finishes, just just unreal stuff. But the guy that I'm really really focused on here is Colin Morikawa, and he's $9,500. Let me pull up his profile. He is just an absolute elite ball striker. Um, He is top, top tier, top tier player. I mean, any way you want to slice this, right? I mean, he's coming off of the last time we saw him here on the PGA Tour was the Sony Open. He finished seventh. He finished seventh the week before that, the Tournament of Champions. He did go and play in the Middle East, and he finished like, 18th there. So he's, it's, it's all good. Um, I think, let me confirm that I was wrong. He finished 68th, not 18th, not really all that close, but it had an eight in it. Uh, so that's the last time we saw him. It was a couple of weeks ago. And here's, here's where I'm at with Morikawa. Um, you know, you're going to look at the cheat sheet and you're going to say, Oh, okay. He finished 26th here last year. The only time he's ever played it. That's not very good for Colin Morikawa. That that two six it could not tell the story any less. He he goes out on Thursday morning. I followed this group 
out on Thursday morning in four over. And remember, the cut streak was still alive. And I'm looking at this going, he's going to miss the cut for the first. This is going to be the first time he misses the cut. He's four over par. Grinds it back, gets makes two birdies on his on his inward nine to get to two over. Plays well on Friday, plays well on Saturday. I think he touched the lead on Sunday. If you remember last year, this thing was chaotic on Sunday, right at the time the coverage came on, and and Morikawa for a split second either touched the lead or was like second, and four putts number eleven. I think he makes a quad or a triple. I don't know what it was. But it was a four, it was a four or a five putt, and he I think he makes another bogey after that, and he falls to t twenty six. But if you, like there was a good, I don't even know how to describe this. Like out like sixty eight of his seventy two holes were good enough to win. Uh, it was the other four that cost him all those other spots, those 25 spots in the standings. And and since then, he's what? Twice a winner, a major champion. Like this is just such a different version of Colin Morikawa than we're seeing from that 26 that he finished last year. Uh, th- that's the guy that I really have circled at $9,500 that, that could win this golf tournament and um, do it in, in a fashion that's pretty low owned because you have Daniel Berger, you have Tony Finau, you have Jordan Spieth, you have the defending champion, Adam Scott, you have Hideki Matsuyama, still all in this $9,000 range. It's absolutely stacked. Um, I, I probably won't go back to Spieth again this week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing. Two really good weeks in a row. Two top five finishes in a row. Lots of positives to take away. The problem with Spieth at Riviera is there are big numbers lurking at Riviera. And Jordan Spieth has not been immune to them. Two years ago, 2019, the final round, he shot like an 81. Because he could not get out of that bunker at 10. He, he left it in there like five times. So it, that, those are the types of things that lurk at Riviera, and I also think that he is more susceptible to that big number than most guys. Like, Patrick Cantlay, does this guy even ever make a bogey? Like, he's unbelievable. He does not compound errors. Jordan Spieth, unfortunately, does compound errors when things go south. So that is a bit of a concern. And I will also say this, um, you know, in the Slack channel on on Sunday night, um, I was trying to to, to figure out what, what are my first feelings about, about this week. And I kept looking at Tony Finau's name and I want to try to describe what I'm thinking about right now. You know, I don't think you're going to get any argument from anyone about how good Tony Finau has been. I I've just pulled up the, the, the Holy grail here. I've thrown in, you know, since September 1st, everybody in this field strokes gain total Tony Finau, 1.3 1.3 strokes gained per round. Uh, the way he's doing it on approach, the way he's doing it on ball striking, he's even been a positive putter in that time frame. Uh, the, the results are there, right? Second at Farmers. He finished second in Saudi Arabia uh, a couple of weeks ago. He finished fourth at the American Express. He's just piling up these really good finishes, and, and no one's arguing that. The conversation about Finau only ever exists in the ether of, is he going to win a golf tournament? That's the only conversation we ever have about him, which is a bit unfair to him, you know, especially now being priced at $9,300. He's pretty cheap relative to some of the other guys. And you look at recent form. And if there was ever a place for Finau to, to kind of break through, it's not because he doesn't play well on Sunday. It's because someone else steals a golf tournament from him. Someone goes out and shoots a 64. Someone goes out and shoots a 65. Um, that's probably not going to happen at Riviera, right? I mean, Adam Scott shoots a 70 
one under on Sunday last year and wins the golf tournament. That to me is the spot that you want to roll out Tony Finau because no matter the situation he's in, he shoots a 68 on Sunday. And a lot of times that's not good enough on the PGA tour. If he shoots a 68 on Sunday and he's in contention at Riviera, he probably wins the golf tournament. So I feel like there's probably a pretty good spot here. This number 9,300 is fair. It is, you know, Daniel Berger's here. Jordan Spieth is here. Those guys might eat some, eat up some ownership. Um, I really am, you know, as of Monday morning, uh, I have a lot of steam on Finau. We'll see how it goes over the course of the week, but this feels like a really good spot for him. The 8K range, um, a lot of people are going to are gonna uh, focus on Bubba, right? He's $8,900. He's won this event three times. We know this is a Bubba track, all that good stuff. No problem. I'm, I'm pretty interested in the two guys below that. You know, Joaquin Neiman, who uh, kicked off his 2021 in a big way, a couple of runner-up finishes, plays well, has a lot of upside. And then Victor Hovland at 87, who... I'm pretty sure Hoffman wasn't even couldn't even qualify for this event last year. Think about that. He's now won twice uh, since then. He has not qualified. He did not qualify for this event last year. I'm almost positive of it. Uh, so we haven't seen him play it. He's $8,700. I think this is a pretty good spot for him as well. But I, I do want to, as we start getting lower in the pricing, I want to go to the trends tool. I want to see if we can find some interesting things here. And we can go by, let's just go by fantasy points, right? Like that's what we want. So let's do fantasy points since the start of 2020. And we're just going to go down until we find some guys in the in the 8K range. I'm going to sort this by median draft Kings points. No surprise that Justin Thomas is up top and we're or Dustin Johnson is up top and we're getting the big boys here. This is the one that I think is kind of interesting. Abraham Answer. Uh, oh, Abraham Answer is not even in the 8K range. He's in the 7K range. We're going to talk about him in a second. But he is the first guy sub 9,000 to pop up because his median is 77 and a half draft Kings points. We've seen him show up a lot at WGC's tough events. He, he he gets his, uh, you know, he cuts his teeth at, at the president's cup. This guy's a gamer, right? You put him at Riviera. It doesn't matter what the field looks like. Abraham answer is going to come to play. Um, Wills Al Torres is the next guy sub nine K to show up. He's 8,300. Cameron Davis is here. I mean, there is plenty of value. These guys are all ranked ahead of Hideki, Tony Finau, Colin Morikawa, because again, we're using median. And then there's that man, Victor Hovland, $8,700 averaging, or excuse me, not averaging. His median score is 72 DraftKings points since the start of 2020. So that 8K range, seemingly there is value that is better than maybe some of the guys in the 9K range when you're looking at median fantasy scoring. The names that jump out, Victor Hovland. Um, then you go down a little bit further, Will Zalatoris. Then we get into the 7K, and it, it might be even better. But before we do that, real quick on the on the rest of this 8K range here, um, Max Homa's on a run, right? And unfortunately, I was I was hoping that Homa was going to come in in the seven thousand dollar range. Uh, I I don't think he should be priced more than more than Matthew Wolf, although I do understand the stretch of golf that he's on and the stretch of golf that he is on is similar to the stretch of golf that he was on at this time last year, uh, which basically culminated in a T five at this event last year, but he was just piling up top twenties, top tens. This year hasn't been as good, but he's made four out of five top 25s. He finished seventh at the AT&T last week. Um, I, I was really hoping we were going to get a deal on Max Homa. It does not appear that we are. 
The 7K range gets really interesting, and it is absolutely loaded. I mean, there's 120 golfers in this field. How many of these guys are are, are there in the 7K range? There's like 30 guys, 35 guys. This is crazy. Um, you know, we talked about Abraham Answer and how he popped up on the on the trends tool. Um, I also think we have to set expectations a little bit for these guys because historically speaking, when you get the world's best players together, when you get a WGC event, when you get something that's kind of a short field or you guarantee four rounds or something like that, and this is not this is not guaranteed four rounds, by the way, but like when you get a smaller field with a really good strength of field, um, the big boys tend to win this, right? That, that, that tends to be who comes out raising the trophy. Now, the good news about the guys in the 7K range is you don't really need them to raise the trophy. You need them to find value. So a couple of names pop off the list at me. We talked about answer. We talked about Cameron Davis. Um, you know, there is still something about Siwoo Kim. You know, he, on Friday last week, uh, misses the cut kind of in an ugly fashion. He also makes bogey, bogey on his final hole um, to miss the cut by a shot. And what we have seen historically, and even not even historically, like in the last three, the last three winners, I believe have all missed the cut the week prior to their win. I, I mean, missed cuts don't matter for these guys, especially for Siwoo Kim, who is so volatile from week to week. He finished third here two years ago. He's missed a bunch of cuts here. It's 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 certainly not a safe play, but I think it is one with pretty significant upside. Um, you know, the one that I'm I'm really worried about, quite honestly, is Kevin Streelman. Streelman comes off of Pebble Beach, who uh, where or where he's had unbelievable success at. He almost steals this thing on Sunday, right? He goes through uh, that really difficult stretch of holes from eight to eight to thirteen. Uh, where everybody's playing him over par, he plays him three under. Uh, I mean, the guy's just like, he, he's going insane. He, he runs into, he makes a big number late in his round and he finishes uh, 13th. But I'm worried that people are going to say, oh, wow, he's playing well. And he is, no no knock about that. Let me go fire him up here at, at, at Riviera. He's been bad here. He's been really bad. He's missed the cut in two of his last three. I think he's played, this is, I looked this up. This is the place that Kevin Streelman has played the most. He's played 11 times without a top 25. And Streelman's pretty like, like there's good spots for him and there's bad spots for him. This unfortunately is a bad spot for him. Um, I think the value in this range could be Taylor Gooch. So I want to pull up Taylor Gooch here because I'm sure there are, a lot of people who don't know who Taylor Gooch is. So let me pull up his um let me pull up his his player profile. First things first, um he gains strokes in all four major categories. He's not a big gainer obviously or else he wouldn't be, you know, 7200 bucks or whatever he is and he wouldn't be named Taylor Gooch, he'd be named Tony Finau or something, right? If he gain, if he if he gained a half a stroke in every category. Um but it's good that he does not really have a flaw in his game, right? There's a lot of guys in this range where, oh man, we really need him to rely on the putter or oh my god, can he just putt to a to a zero this week or he, you know, that that's not the case for Gooch. If one aspect goes wrong, um usually the other the other aspects can kind of can kind of pick up for him and the other thing about gooch is coming off a miscut which again i do not care about but you look at his 2021 season as a whole uh it's a bit of feast or famine but i'm seeing a top 25 at the american express i'm seeing a top five a fourth place finish at houston and i'm seeing a fifth place finish at the cj cup well there's going to be a lot of familiar faces from the cj cup 
and the field that was there to this week, right? That's a big boy field. Taylor Gooch finishes fifth, so it doesn't blink there. And then you look at his results at, at Genesis in the past, and he's played here twice. He's played here in 2018. He finished uh, T20, I believe. Yeah, let me make sure I get the order right. T20 in 2018, T10 last year. So he's had good success. I'm looking at a guy who's $7,200 who will probably not garner much ownership at all because we've got Nate Lashley down here. We've got Matt Kuchar down here. We've got Emiliano Grillo. We've got Keegan Bradley. Um, I'm, I'm pretty focused on Gooch as one of the better value plays in the bottom of the $7,000 range and maybe in this entire field. Um, you know, you could ride the hot hand on, on a Maverick McNeely. I don't know if he brings that magic to a place that, you know, he doesn't have a residence on, for example. Uh, we heard that story quite a bit last week for, for Mav McNeely. But again, Gooch. And then, you know, I'm kind of a steel apologist, right? I mean, another top 35 finish last week. Just He's going to ball strike it. If he can figure out the putter for four days, he's going to contend. Um, one of these guys, you probably either always play steel or you never play steel because you're never going to be able to guess when that week is. The $6,000 range, it gets a little bit ugly, but remember, with only 120 golfers in the field, you know, more a, a larger percentage of the field is going to make the cut. So I think it kind of lends itself to being a bit more stars and scrubsy because you can get, you know, if you get some of these guys through, you can kind of load up on, on some of the top tier players with a lot of win equity. And a couple of names that, that pop off at me, and actually, you know what, let's just do the holy grail here. Let's just do, I, I probably want something really recent, right? Let's do, for, for some of these volatile guys at the bottom. Let's just do something pretty recent. Let's just do since the start of 2021, there are going to be guys with a really small sample size and let's just do strokes gained approach, right? Like just get me ball strikers here. The first guy that uh, pops up that's under $7,000 is Matthew Neesmith. So in eight, I'm sorry, in 15 measured rounds, he's gained over a stroke on approach. He's 6,900. Harold Varner, the third, um, he's 6,700. He's next on the list of guys under $7,000 that I would want to uh, be, that I could be interested in. He was the leader on Sunday last year. He got to 10. He cold topped one off of 10. Remember that? I think, I don't know what he ended up finishing. I guess I can check here. T10, 13th. Wow. Yeah. That was one of the, the Harold Varner, the third collapses that we got, um, which is, which is obviously a little bit worrisome, but nice to know that he played well here for like, I don't know, 65 holes, something like that. Um, you also go back to this, and 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 I want to I, I want to get off approach for a, a a bit because we know that the the key stat metrics lean a bit towards more sh- uh, a bit more towards short game. But Doc Redman is still here. You know, only seven measured rounds. Um, the price is as low as it's pr- might ever be. I mean, 6,600. Look at this putter. Look how store. I mean, this is bad. He's losing a shot, nearly two shots around with the flat stick. That's that's not Doc. That's almost a bit unsustainable. I, I think that that's going to come back at some point. But I do want to do around the green as well because, um, and I want to go a little bit longer for this because you don't get as many, you don't get as many shots around the green, right? So I kind of need a bigger sample size. Let's at least go. Let's just do since the restart because that is uh, going to give us a solid time frame here. Be- not you know approach shots you get every single hole. You don't get around the green every single hole. So, um, guys under $6,000, Mackenzie Hughes, Mackenzie Hughes, Mackenzie Hughes is a popper. 
right? We've talked about that a lot. It doesn't matter what the field is. If he puts it all together, he can compete anywhere. He's had success at PGA National, right? He finished runner-up to Sung Jay when Sung Jay won it last year, so he's okay with difficult golf courses. I would not mind going back to Mackenzie Hughes. And then you got to go pretty far before you get down to Robbie Shelton at $6,200. He's the next kind of short game specialist. So to recap this 6K range, I think there's plenty of value in Varner, uh, I think that there is plenty of, I think there's a bounce back opportunity in Redmond. I think there is upside in Mackenzie Hughes. That might be it. I'm not super thrilled to play any of these other guys. Sung Kang's had a pretty good stretch here, um, but it's not playing well recently. That might be about it. I'm not super thrilled. Um, to roster a lot of these guys, but I probably will build some stars and scrubsies types type, uh, type approaches. Um, let's do a custom model. The custom model did have, uh, Daniel Berger as my number one golfer in the model last week. So that worked out well. Maybe that's why a lot of us got on there. Basically, uh, if you wanted to use the, the regression, if you wanted to use the numbers from the key stats and you put it into the model, Daniel Berger was coming out on top or at least close to it. Um, for this week, so we can go back and look at the key stats. Around the green, putting and driving distance are the three most important, so we are going to lean on those a bit, uh, get me out of my comfort zone a little bit. So let's do uh, let's do th- uh, 30 around the green, 25 on putting. Let's do tw- uh, 25 on distance, and that leaves me with 20 out of my 100 weights. Let's do 10 on birdie or better, and I don't want to double count anything. So let's do let's do 10 on approach. And we'll run the model and we'll see what we get. Oh, and it's John Rahm as my number one golfer, 10,400. So I already thought there was built-in value from John Rahm uh, based on his on his DraftKings number versus his uh, outright number. At, uh, he's only 10,400. So I already thought there was built-in value. Now he's the number one golfer on, on my model. So uh, safe to say I'll probably have quite a bit of him this week. Adam Scott, number two. Um, kind of no surprise there, right? I mean, he's got a smaller sample size than most. And because he's won this event twice, he kind of he kind of helps build the model, right? Because of his success at this event. And then also, as long as he still has those attributes that he had in the years that he won, um, he's going to show up near the top of the model. So that makes sense as well. Xander Shoffley, Daniel, uh, Tony Finau is number four. Danny Berger, number five. Patrick Cantlay, six. Justin Thomas, seven. Uh, Dustin Johnson at eight. Bryson at nine and Norin at 10. Where Norin pop his head up here? I was actually big in on Norin uh, last week. That did not work out very well, but this is pretty interesting. So a lot of the big names for me, these are names I was going to end up playing anyway. Maybe it solidifies John Rahm as the number one golfer for me. Um, maybe it solidifies Tony Finau for maybe a guy I want to go to in the $9,000 range. I want to give a heart, a, a better look to Norin and Tringale, you know, Tringale, I faded last week, kind of, uh, made me look a bit silly. There always shows up well on models. I also get a McKenzie Hughes sighting within my top 15. I get a Cameron Davis sighting. So those are probably going to be some of the value plays, uh, that I like, but we'll see. We'll see. Let me know what you think. Tweet me at Rick Rungood. Or you can leave a comment below. Um, This is a great event. It's going to be awesome. Stacked field. Great course. Enjoy it. Best of luck this week. Let's have another big one. See you guys.